Hi, I'm Chuck Friedman and you're listening to The Developer's Edge. On this show, we talk to the most inspiring members of our community from around the world and discuss their stories, upcoming projects, and more. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Season 3 of Developer's Edge. So excited to have you back. I'm happy to welcome our video producer, Addison Snydel, to help me introduce our guests and talk about what's so special about some of these episodes. Addison, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, this season is going to be a good one. We now are branching out from interviewing people from our own company. And the main theme is enabling developers, which is a really exciting topic. Yeah, and I'm excited to talk about our first guest, Dan Butchko. I go way back with Dan. Um, he's been there in some really exciting moments for me in my career and some actual really neat opportunities with my family at certain gaming events. He's super passionate about the gaming space and enabling developers. So really cool conversation. You know what I love about this interview? Uh, Dan is the embodiment of do what you love. I mean, his company, Playcrafting, is all about building games and experiences, um, which I think is very fascinating. Uh, he's a gamer like me, like a lot of my friends, and they all started out gaming when they were young and that gave them interest in programming and how things work. And so I really love to see it when people are in their field doing exactly what they love, but turning it into something better. I'm so excited to have Dan Butchko as our first guest on Developer's Edge Season 3. Let's go to the episode. We're very excited today to welcome our guest Dan Butchko, who is CEO and founder of Playcrafting. Dan, I've known you for a while, a very inspiring individual for me, as well as many others across your community. Thank you so much for being here today. So good to see you, Chuck. I'm really, really happy to be here too. So what is Playcrafting and who are some of the companies and communities you work with? We at Playcrafting are a company that works with developers around the world and with brands around the world to build games and experiences that would not have otherwise been possible. You can kind of think of us as an agency sort of model with a huge network of game developers sort of appended onto us. Um, we build games for emerging technologies. We build games with and for brands that are looking to infuse their brand into the content of the game. Um, and most importantly, we do this alongside that big network of developers. So we are a, a funding arm for developers to do what they love, to do what they do best, and for uh, brands to reach their consumers or reach new consumers in exciting new ways that really leverages the power of games. Outstanding. What is it about uh, your career where you've dedicated to enabling others, be it developers or creators uh, in the community that you've built? Yeah, so I originally got my start in, uh, in school studying social work. So my background is in you know, learning how to empower, motivate, and, and help folks from, in that case, at-risk populations, so underserved communities. Um, I, I worked with folks uh, in the homeless community here in New York uh, throughout college during my internship. Um, and I think that I just have taken the principles that I've learned in social work school with me into everything I do. Um, even though I'm not doing that exact kind of work anymore, I do look at um, independent developers, solo creators, as folks that 
don't get nearly enough appreciation, work, um, or focus as they deserve, given how you know immeasurably talented and creative and, and insightful and passionate they are. And so that's really sort of formed the core of what I do in my work at Playcrafting, how I approach really life in general, because if you go through a training like that, um, you really learn a lot about communication, the power of listening to other people, and the power of helping empower folks to really help themselves and to find solutions and how to collaborate and work together to execute on those solutions. Where did the idea for Playcrafting come from? Sure, yeah. So we got our start as a meetup group. Um, I did not start the meetup group. My business partner started the meetup group. This is 13 years ago, way back in March of 2009. Um, and at that time, the New York game development scene was really sort of in the primordial ooze phase of things. Um, and so my business partner got the meetup uh, handle um, meetup.com slash gaming. It was that early on in the cycle of meetup itself as well. And it was started as a way to really connect um, independent developers who are making games in the New York area, provide them with resources, insights, um, playtesting feedback, um, a sense of community, a place to go. Uh, and so for the first five years, it really existed as that meetup group. It was a monthly demo night where folks would show off the projects that they were working on to each other, um, offer insights and even some education on how to make games like the ones that they're currently making. Um, I joined that meetup group uh, in 2014, and um, that was my like one of just a few things I was trying because I just I really wanted to work in the world of video games, and I was sick of people telling me that you have to move to LA to do that, you have to move to San Francisco to do that. This is New York; it's the best city in the entire world, and so I sort of set out to figure out how I could build a career for myself and make an impact in my own community. And I found that meetup group. And so I, I joined the meetup group. There was a, um, a few months in, there was a notice that went out that they were looking for a new leader for the meetup group. So I applied for it. Um, and the rest is sort of history. Uh, I became business partners with, again, with, with my friend who started that, the group. Um, and since then we've turned it into a, full-scale company in the service of developers, trying to get as many people making games as possible, trying to infiltrate different parts of the world with games and interactive content to really transform our world through games. Um, and we've done that alongside this now uh, global network of developers that started with that seed in New York and has just grown outward. Let's go into that a bit more. I'm really interested there's a lot of meetups out there. How do you take the momentum and the interest that you've created through your meetup and actually start to envision that as a business? A whole lot of trial and error, I think. Um, you know, we originally started out as a, um, an education company. So we were working with developers in our community to uh, provide classes, courses, workshops on how to make games. So that was a very um, gamer and consumer facing play that we were going for. And, and it worked really, really well for the first several years. Um, but just in this process of repetition and reliability, I think those are really the two um, core values that helped us sort of transform the meetup group into a company. Um, 
we just kept showing up. We had those monthly events, no matter what was going on in the world. We didn't care how many people showed up. Um, we got to a point where we were doing one of those per month, and then we started folding in um, quarterly expo events where folks could show off their games to um, hundreds of people to get playtest feedback. Um, and then we layered in uh, a, a full-scale convention from there called Play NYC. So things were sort of growing on the event side while education was sort of keeping the lights on. Um, and then at, in 2017, things really started to um, take a, a new turn and things evolved even further. Um, it was at that point that we did launch the Play NYC convention and we were approached by an agency looking to make some great games for this big brand, uh, Schick Hydro, um, and to do it in a way that was really authentic to the independent developer community. Um, so they came to us knowing that we run game jams, that we do these full production events, that we know developers and we know how to make games. And that was the first of our client slash partner work. Um, and that's really the core of what we do now, where we uh, match up developers with these huge brands, emerging technologies, get them paid to do what they love to do and what they do best. Uh, and we've now generated almost 150 games and experiences through partnerships like that. But I think it really all started with that community-focused, ground-up repetition and reliability um, trust that we built over time. It would not be possible without those five years of us existing solely as a meetup group. Do you see something particularly in gaming as the the right way to be able to highlight other other people's creativity or or passion for what they do? Yeah, I think because games are experiences, they are interactive experiences um, in a, a very specific way that is unique to games, unlike other forms of media or entertainment. Um, developers can really infuse their own personal um, perspectives, their own personal stories, their own personal interests into um, games and the content around games. And therefore, the games become this sort of direct reflection of the people who made them. Um, even if it's not a game that's about that developer specifically, it doesn't have to be a narrative-based adventure game that is following the life of the developer. It doesn't have to be that on the nose. Um, but what I, you know, something that I think is just so special about games is that they really bring people together kind of in a way that that traditional sports does where, you know, no matter what your background is, who you are, where you're from, you know, folks root for different teams and they're united by their shared love of the sport. Games offers a whole different um, uh, level of that. And so... I think the combination of it being an interactive medium and also games as having come from what was once a subculture and really understanding from the get-go um, you know, what it's like to not really feel connected to other people and find ways to connect to other people for folks that may be a little bit shyer, may not want, may not find places like traditional sports as appealing to them or interesting to them. I think the fact that gaming was born of a subculture like that and marrying it with the fact that um, games are interactive um, and engaging and immersive in a way that other forms of media aren't, it sort of creates that opportunity for developers to connect with players through what they build, for players to connect with other players through what they're playing. 
and for things to really just sort of transcend where they're coming from and just get united through their shared love of games. How do you pull from all aspects of the community to attract such a diverse and talented group to your programs? I think first and foremost, the, the tools themselves have evolved to a place where the barrier for entry in just making games in general is lower than it ever has been before. Um, so even without uh, a company like Playcrafting or community allies and leaders, um, it's easier than ever for an artist, for example, to go online, download Unity, dabble a little bit, get something going relatively quickly, whether it's Unity, Unreal, or any other number of game engines or tools that are out there. Um, something that I personally just really love about what we do is that we, we like to think outside the box and we're often working with partners and clients and, and folks that aren't typically associated with gaming. And the only way I see for us to make sure we are really speaking to them, their needs, um, their consumers, folks that are engaging with them separately from us, is to make sure that the folks that are actually building the games are diverse in their backgrounds, diverse in, in their skill sets. Um, you can have five programmers like build out a game that is really sound and works, but it probably won't be very pretty and it probably won't sound very good. There are folks that are jacks of all trades um, and, and there are games that are made by one person, but I think it's those unique perspectives and those unique skill sets coming together that that collaboration, those forced moments of challenge and contention that really breed games that are more engaging and immersive and can captivate and connect with a wider audience in the end. Um, and on top of that, I just really love bringing people together and finding ways to um, connect people that would not usually interact in the world outside of us. Um, so when you bring those th those couple of things together, it really is, is just a proving point for collaboration and diversity of background is really um, powering uh, the immersion behind games in general. How do you ensure that the opportunities that you're bringing your developers and creators in your community stays genuine? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, before we do any, uh, any um, client opportunities or, or sign them on, we make sure that we are incorporating direct and indirect developer input and feedback in that process. Um, we're regularly surveying our developers on the trends in the industry that are most exciting to them, brands that are making big waves, um, emerging technologies, failing technologies. So we're considering that in anything and everything that we do. We also have five core commitments that Playcrafting um, is it's sort of at the foundation of everything that Playcrafting does. And one of those is to make sure that any opportunities that we pursue are in, in alignment with the values that are um, reflected in the developers that are in our network. Um, what does that mean in practice? It means uh, when a new uh, opportunity comes knocking at our door, we have an internal team meeting. We're talking about, um, you know, where is this, uh, this brand at? Where is this technology at? Are they far enough along that it makes sense for us to put this in front of developers? Um, is the documentation there? Like there's the nitty gritty stuff. And then there's also 
um, you know, if there's a hot button issue that's attached to it. Um, one really good example of that would be NFTs and Web3 and crypto. These are all things that, you know, are super, super popular right now and are buzzwords, um, not very proven. And also um, NFTs have been um, negatively regarded by a lot of developers in the industry because um, it can be very manipulative. It can be very exploitative um, to and to build something and then have it just kind of out there replicated and, and not regulated. So what are your plans for the future? Where, where do you see Playcrafting and some of your partnerships going from here? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, I actually, I just hired our first ever chief creative officer. Um, and my intent behind that was that Playcrafting is now in a place where um, we can say no to some things, which is very cool. And I'm grateful to be in that place. Um, we're, we're certainly hungry and, and scrappy still, um, but uh, we can be a little choosy about what we're doing. And one thing that I really want us to be doing more of is building full-scale games ourselves. And when I say ourselves, I mean bringing in you know, one to five developers for a very specific um, ground-up game. Um, an example of that that we've done so far is, called, is a game called Shave the Day. We did that in partnership with um, Schick Extreme, so the Razor uh, company, um, as well as the St. Baldrick's Foundation. So if you go to shavetheday.com, or if you go onto iOS or Android, you can download the game called Shave the Day. Um, it's an extension of the Schick Extreme brand, which is cool. Um, but more importantly, it also raises money for um, children's cancer research, which is the main focus of the St. Baldrick's Foundation. And I would like to be doing more projects like that on top of all this great technology-focused um, game jam work that we're doing where we're getting developers together, building new games and experiences for emerging technologies or different brands. Um, the, the challenge of having those two kinds of projects at the same time, I think, is, is one that we're really excited to dive into. Um, and this also puts us into a position with our new uh, CCO to be more proactive about things that we want to do and pitching to different companies about things that we as Playcrafting want to build and then recruit developers for um, actually building that, where Playcrafting is kind of its own client. Um, I think it's important to remember, though, that even in looking at you know what that looks like over the next five years, 10 years, um, to me, it would be disingenuous to hire a whole in-house full-time um, team of developers. I love that we are contracting and bringing in developers who are building things of their own, who are their own like solo devs or independent studios. I like that we are also this funding arm for devs around the world who are at that level. We've now funded over $3 million to developers around the world for projects like these. And I would like for even the shave the days that we do in the, per in the future to be you know, contributing to that overall number, because that is one of those numbers that I'm the most proud of when it comes to playcrafting. So that's where I see us going in the next five to 10 years. I would love to get to do more events. We're a little bit more conservative right now on the event side, given the pandemic. Um, but Play NYC, our annual convention, is like, like my and our love letter to New York and to gaming. And so I'd like to see that continue to build, maybe add some more things like that, um, in addition to these other projects too. Anything else come to mind you want to, you want to talk about? I'd love to hear from you like in the past 
three months, what is something that you've seen in games? It could be a specific developer, a specific game, a technology that has you extremely excited. And then what is something on the flip side that you look at it and you're like, uh, that needs to go back in the oven for a little while longer. I would say that, especially during COVID, um, virtual reality kind of getting to a point where my now 11 year old is interested, not just as a way to escape or to try something new and immersive, but to connect with friends and to be able to do that. I'm, I can't say exactly what games there's a, a range that, that he's taken up on, uh, with, uh, with the, uh, quest two that we have, um, that we're fortunate to have, but it's really cool seeing him kind of go off in a world with other friends and be able to play something and know that where he couldn't be in the same room with them or in the same space, he's still able to do something kind of together. Um, and that's been, that's been cool. So I see a lot of potential with that, even, even, um, as people get healthier and start to congregate more, that definitely showed me. And I think a lot of us that there's potential there. Um, as far as going back in the oven or something that just needs a little bit more bake time, my, my oldest, you know, is, is dabbling in programming, um, in his own right. And I just think that there's, there's still some work to be done. There's a lot of these, like there's a whole mod culture, but it, it seems to be color within the lines of whatever game platform you're, you're working in. And I, I'd love it if some of these larger games or studios created a way where it wasn't just, you know, add something that ultimately someone could buy or transact within our game platform, but foster kind of new ways of gameplay, even if it's, you know, based on a, a common engine, it just doesn't seem like there's enough of that. And I want, I want more for, for, um, for that kind of generation to be able to play with. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of these technologies need to sort of strike that balance, especially with new, like, like folks that are younger or less experienced coming in because you want there to be enough of a structure in place to give that guidance, to give um, those constraints in which to build, but also not do it in such a way that is closing the door on, on that open source feel or that open source vibe. Dan, I want to thank you so much for your time being on Developer's Edge and having this conversation with me. We touched upon a lot of what I love about you and what you do and the communities you work with and enable. Thank you so much, and it's always awesome to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us on the Developer's Edge. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you'd like to hear more, head to the Akamai Developer YouTube channel to check out some of our other developer stories. Till next time, take care and we'll talk again soon.